First of all, I have to preface this is I'm not a rich douchebag. Are you custom made, custom paid, or are you just custom fitted? Welcome to another Fits with the Founder. I'm your founder, Nick, and I'm here with Cassie. Hello. Well, we're kind of not here. I'm having a flu <laughs> day today. So uh, we're kind of not in the same office because I don't want to give you guys right before Thanksgiving a nice uh, sickness that has gone through not only our warehouse here, but also through my household and finally ended up with me. I avoided this thing for like three weeks. (laughs) Finally, it hit me. Uh, I appreciate you not infecting me right before I get to eat turkey because if I couldn't, well, it's fake turkey, but if I couldn't taste it, I'd be really upset. Yeah, I was going to say, what uh, there's is there imitation turkey? I'm oh, sure. yeah. there's So we're doing two. We're doing a tofurkey, which is a real thing. It's literally tofu turkey. And then we're doing some other version of it or whatever. But it's like, it's pretty spot on. We had one last year, too. So as a meat lover, um, as you know, I am and uh, have no problem. I do love tofu, though, too. Yeah. Fun effect. And I think it's interesting on how good you can make tofu. It's so good. When we go to P.F. Chang's, which is one of my favorite places, like pre-vegetarian and now it's one of my favorite places to go, you can get any of their items with the like tofu and they'll bread it the same way they bread the chicken. And honestly, it's better than the chicken. Yeah. I mean, people all the time, they're always confused by me on that. And I'm like, if you try, if you give tofu a try, it's actually, it's semi-healthy for you. If you, it depends on how you cook anything, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can make it and you can make it taste really good. And so- I'm a, I'm a fan, but I, I don't know. I'm not the biggest turkey eater to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I Thanksgiving to me, I'm going to eat a little turkey, but my wife's ham is really what I care about. Okay. Is that, I think we might've talked about this before. Do you guys also do ham on Christmas? Yes. It, it's okay. just makes great ham. She has like two ham recipes. One's like a root beer ham. So it's like sweet and kind of has like a root beer glaze to it. It's unbelievable. Ooh. And then uh, the other one's like, a, she's going to yell at me, but I think it's like a cherry. It's something like that. It's like a sweet cherry. Ooh, okay. That actually sounds good. I Even when I was eating meat, I didn't really do the ham thing. Like bacon was as close to pigs as I got. <laughs> so... But yeah, turkey's not my jam, but all the side dishes are though. We'll talk about this with our guests later, but like green bean casserole, sweet potato casserole, deviled eggs, cranberry sauce, all of it is my favorite thing. Oh, I'm a huge side person. So it's one of the best parts about Thanksgiving is the sides, but you're yes. right. We won't, we won't ruin it. We have a good conversation later with our guest. Uh, we, this is a, this is a good one. We, yeah. uh, we picked it early and uh, because of Thanksgiving week, we, we, we want to do this one on there. So you're, you're going to want to listen all the way through because this was a good one. For sure. We're sitting here talking about food and people are going to be listening to this on Friday. Like, I don't want to hear any more about turkey. (laughs) Well, no, 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 no. That's the other thing I think that's underrated about Thanksgiving that we didn't talk about with our guests is the leftovers. So Mm. the sandwich that you make off the leftovers is so good. And I've had this discussion before. It's only good because you only do it once a year. You're never going to make like a cranberry stuffing on white bread sandwich. (laughs) You're going to do it the day after Thanksgiving, and you're going to think it's like the greatest thing ever because it's the only time you ever eat it. Yeah, that's fair. I'll give you that. I honestly, I probably subsist off of hard boiled eggs and like rolls with butter for a good week after Thanksgiving. So I'm with you. (laughs) So it's like, you know, and then after that, then you're like, yeah, I don't need that till next year. Correct. Mm -hmm. So limited time that's what makes it so fun. Um, We didn't have a lot this week. So let's dive into some tour news. There's really, it's not, 
nothing's really happening if we're being honest um lydia ko out there being lydia ko that's huge um she won the biggest prize in women's golf to date which is a two million dollar check for the winner at the cme group tour championship um that's awesome for her she's doing she's right now the money winner on the lpga tour but she's still ranked second um in terms of the rolex points which is just because nelly corda is nelly corda <laughs> Um, but Lydia, Lydia is a good comeback story in a way. I mean, she really, you know, she came out and she was like rose to the top and then struggled. And it seems like now she's fighting her way and she's going to be a top, you know, take over that top dog spot. So, and she deserves it. Honestly, she does. she's a fun to watch. And I love, I love her strategy with her golf bag. She's all about us in the sense of like brand agnostic play, what works all that. Yep. hundred percent. Um, so there was a little bit of like weird, not controversy, but kind of a news headline about the the CME Tour Championship. So it's put on by the CME Group. They're the title sponsor, obviously, um, of this season ender. And they put on, they have like a conference basically during the week. And then they put on an event on the Tuesday and they invite players, right? So like past winners or whatever. And um, no one showed up from the LPGA. <laughs> So like they were pissed. They're like, we're about to hand off the biggest check that's ever been cut for the LPGA. And none of you showed up to this dinner. So that was a weird headline. I didn't hear was what was the reason they didn't show up? It's they're they're blaming a lack of communication, which is like the bullshittiest way of being like someone messed up, right? Like someone didn't get an invite or something, but they're just saying, oh, it was a lack of communication, da, 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 da. But they always like turn up the lights and, you know, they have players stand up so they can applaud the players that are there. Literally, there was nobody there, which is wild. So yeah, that's I mean, weird. Listen, you can't get mad. If yet if if sponsors start pulling money and doing stuff because the tour isn't supporting the sponsor, then yeah. Get mad if you, you know, that's, that's just not good. Like the LPGA commissioner with somebody paying out as much as they're paying out and trying to help support the LPGA should have been all over this and said, Hey, I can get you. I'm surprised it wasn't a pre-worked out thing where like this many people were just required to show up and here's how it goes. Yeah. Like, there's there's gotta be more to that story. It's just, it seems like too important of a thing and it just seems odd. 100%. But I mean, either way, it worked out for Lydia. So that's great. And it was it ended up being a great end to the tournament. A little dramatic, but a good end. Um, Over with the guys. So John Robb, again, being well, John Robb. Hold on. You also, the guys in the U.S. were playing too. They sure were. We, I just we, don't care I like as much. I put that in the notes. because, And I almost, I didn't say anything because I'm like, uh, Sunday, I'm sitting there and I wasn't feeling good, right? And uh, the Bears game got over and that ended exactly how I wanted it to, which is they showed they can play offense, but they didn't win the game so we can get better picks and win next year. Bears 2023 Super Bowl starts now. Oh, Jesus. Anyway. After that, I tried to find the golf and you couldn't even find, first of all, it was over by like four o'clock. And it was like streaming on, I don't know, Peacock or something. I don't even remember what it was, but you had to go to like a streaming to even get it before that. Like it was like not even shown, which I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it was not. Um, well, the leaderboard was also not particularly that interesting, <laughs> but it. yeah, I didn't put it on our little like don't let, punch list. Hear, don't let Canadians hear you say. That. OK, fine. Uh, fine. <laughs> but I mean, even the top five, like if you look at the top five, it's like, yeah, there's three Americans. But how many of them do you actually know as a household name? Maybe one. So it just it wasn't interesting. I'm sorry, you guys. I was I was semi interested because Streelman on Saturday was somewhat up there. And so mm. I know Kevin and I was like, oh, I better you know go see how that's going. And uh, 
I was just shocked on how hard they had buried that coverage. Now, what was interesting is, is the girls were on. So I saw that I had that on for a little while, but uh, you couldn't even find, you couldn't even find the men. Yeah, which I was okay with this 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 uh, <laughs> tournament, <laughs> but we did we had some some European stuff and whatnot going on too, so that was fine. But um, DP World Tour Championship, so that was a great great day for John and for Rory. Um, they were really the ones making the headlines, so that's why it was more it was a bigger deal. Um, John won the DP World Tour, and it's now his fifth Rolex Series title, which is a record. So John Rahm's being John Rahm. Um, but this that's not even really the headline if we're talking about John Rahm, if I'm being honest. <laughs> the real headline this last week was him calling the overall world golf ranking laughable and basically talking shit about the points like procedure that they have uh, because he feels like he should be ranked higher based on his wins, which um, maybe I could go either way. Yeah, well, this this goes back to the whole live tour thing. Like to me, you know, you have if you're going to have the whoever's playing golf and whoever's winning – you know, and that's going to change all the time. You better be changing these point systems because, you know, you can't take, you can't tell me you take these, whatever, 45 players from Live Golf, take them out of, let's say you don't even want to make them a part of the uh, golf rankings. Okay, fine, whatever. But that takes competition out, which changes the whole look of your golf rankings anyway. So it right. changes the whole ecosystem. So I get his point of like, let's have a little bit more transparency. Let's have a little bit more understanding instead of like whatever it is, eight people behind a curtain making this stuff up. Like it's it's a little challenging to understand world rankings to me. Yeah. And so I get his point. Now, I mean, Rom also had a pretty tough go of it for about 12 months. Now all of a sudden it's on fire. So, you know, that yeah. that's part of it too. That's my thing, though, is like, I mean, we know what the what the tournaments are worth, but it's like, how are you justifying why this one is worth more than this one? But my thing is like, and I actually just said it when we were talking about Lydia going into this week or this last week, rather, Lydia was ranked third. She won the tournament and she's still only ranked second. Nellie Corda is ahead of her. So it just it like it depends on the tournaments and what they're ranked and all that. Like, I don't think it's as big of a deal as John Rahm is making it out to me, but he feels like he should be ranked higher. And whether we agree with that or not, I, I agree that we probably need to reassess where we're at. But we are where we are. Like the overall world golf rankings is it's not their fault that live golf exists. So it's kind of like we just need to figure it out and let it average out. Yeah, know. but the problem is, is we don't have the, it, the world golf rankings are based off eight person's opinions. Sure. That's that. It's the same struggle I have with like when we're going to about to make decisions on like NCAA football. It's like who makes the playoffs and don't. Sometimes it's very easy. You can see it. And then there's sometimes where it's like it's almost like the law. It's like, oh, we make it so vague. And then somebody just makes a call. Right. And that's where I struggle, too, because it seems to me that you could easily make a point system you know, in the world golf rankings to be a little bit more mathematical than what it is. And maybe it is, but they don't show it to you. So how do we right. know? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll hear more about it as we get deeper into 2023. So we'll see what happens. Um, Rory also making headlines. He also had a really good um, time at the tournament. He has now also won his fourth Harry Varden trophy, but his headline as well was not his accomplishment. It was the fact that he's out there yelling about Greg Norman needs to go. He's like, yeah. if Liv and the PGA are going to coexist in the world, Greg Norman's got to go bye-bye. And he is making a stank about it. Yeah, but th- that's going to happen anyway. I mean, they're already looking to replace Greg Norman, not really replace him. But, I mean, Greg Norman was always meant to be that fire starter, go out there, start a bunch of fights, try to win them, and then walk off into the sunset as an investor and just make his money. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he's going to get what he wants regardless of that comment. But, 
you know, whatever. And he's also, he's saying basically he's the best he's ever been in his quotes and he's cocky right now. He says, you know, and he's playing well. So, hey, be more power to you. Yeah. I like Rory. I mean, I'm not a huge Rory fan, but I like Rory. I like when he plays well. So, you know what? He's got, he's got a name out there. He can throw some stank around. That's fine. <laughs> it, it makes good, it makes good viewing for us. You're not wrong. I enjoy it too. Um, Cool. I mean, really nothing else tour related. We did have um, a piece go out online about the top 100 course list and how insane some of the tee times are. So we can talk about that a little bit because I'm curious how many of these you've played. Uh, have you played them all? I think you yeah, have. This, this actually, when you put this on here, I'm like, okay, first of all, I have to preface this is I'm not a rich douchebag. Um, <laughs> I've played all these, but like, I don't think anybody wants to admit that, but here's here is my preface. I will tell you: if you're a hardcore golfer, you'll relate with me. Have money or no money, you're gonna find a way if you have an opportunity to play these places to probably pay it and play it once. So okay, okay. So, so the, for, what's the first one? I can't. I, I'm actually gonna work backwards because uh, we'll get to the one okay. that's a thousand dollars per tee time. That's the that's the top one. But Harbortown Golf Links, which is Hilton Head, it's four hundred and fifty dollars. Um, a tea time. Now keep in mind, these prices are peak season. So just because it's $450 in peak season doesn't mean that like Nick or whoever paid $450, but a lot of people are, I did not pay $450. For yeah. And, and also I'm sure like prices have gone up just based on the demand of golf in the last couple of years, like COVID kind of did that for golf. But anyway, so Harbor Town Golf Lakes, what about it? Um, this is one where you only need to, in my opinion, I only needed to play once. It was good. Glad I did it. Beautiful, some beautiful views, a little, a lot tighter golf course than I ever expected it to be. Um, you know, you always think about like that last hole or whatever. It kind of seems wide open. You're in that low country and they, you know, the, the, obviously the uh, lighthouse in the background, but almost every other hole is tree lined and tight as can be. So, you know, again, glad I did it. Not, I wouldn't do it more than once. Not okay. for me. That's fair. It's not even ranked in the top 50. It's like number 63 in terms of the top 100s. But um, number six was um, Pinehurst, specifically number two. So this course is ranked number 12 out of 100 in the country. So it's kind of a big deal. Um, Cost was $470 for a tee time. It's a fun, playable golf course. Since they redid it, whichever it was, it's probably like 15 years ago now. It seems like five, probably somewhere in between. But since they've redone it, I've played that a couple times. Uh, Huge fan. Uh, I think... Pinehurst in general is just a fun place to go and a fun, a lot of fun golf courses. Uh, number two is not cheap, but the demands there, I get it. Um, and you know, like to me that, that I get it. Like you're going to go play a bunch of Pinehurst golf courses. You're going to put that in the rotation, pay for it. And it is what it is. Yeah. You have to do it to say you did it. I yeah. think that's m- most of these you do it to say you did it. Um, yeah, the next- I, that one, like, I don't think I would ever go back. I don't really need to go to Harbor town, pay that. And like, I don't think I need to go back and do that. Like Pinehurst, I'm going to go back and do that experience again, like mm-hmm. all the golf courses and stuff. And I'm going to sprinkle in number two, maybe not every trip, but every couple trips, because it is a really good golf course. It's fun. And when you're on like a two, three, four day trip, you're like, okay, I want to play number two again. I know it's expensive, but I want to do it again. So Right. That's fair. Uh, as a person who goes to Disney and Universal, I cannot throw stones. So, yeah, I mean, so. <laughs> that kind of mentality, right? Yeah. Um, the next one is one that I actually passed up the opportunity to play, and now I'm kicking myself, um, Whistling Straits in Haven, Wisconsin. The Straits course. Yeah. 
So, so the interesting one about this is I've played Whistling Straits, who knows, a dozen times. And again, it's, it's a great golf course. Okay. So I love Whistling Straits. I would never fault anybody for wanting to pay to play Whistling Straits. And I get why they, 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 demand what they can that's only open six maybe seven months of the year Mm -hmm. and everybody's flying in from everywhere to play it um i personally um don't need to like every time i go there the irish course which is right next to whistling straits really good about half the price and the black wolf run golf courses which are right down there owned by kohler as well really good but uh so again this kind of falls in that pinehurst if you're going to go up and do the whole experience yeah, okay, you're going to get to play three reasonably priced golf courses. You're going to pay for the one big boy. Yeah. Um, but It's 485 for the record. It was right. 400 Yeah, that's like, a lot. I'm not going – like, I'm not personally going up to play Whistling Straits and pay 500 bucks. If a group of people or somebody wants to go up there and do it, okay, I'll entertain it. But I'm not – it's not first on my list. And, and we live right where we could say that, right? We could go up there and go play it any day. So – Yeah, we could literally drive. As a matter of fact, when the Ryder Cup was there, we did drive there. <laughs> Um, next one is obvious. Okay. Pebble beach. I mean, duh, it's $595 for a tea time, but it's also Pebble beach. Yeah. So I actually got engaged on the 18th green of Pebble beach. Um, I've played Pebble beach handful of times. Now I've said this from the get go. Pebble beach is a course you play once and that's all you need to play it. Mm-hmm. The front, the first nine holes are the most spectacular, like views. Great. You know, whatever. After that, the back nine, well, outside of 18, um, kind of like meh um so to like to me pebble beach is one of those places you go to play it once and that's it you're never going to sit there all the courses are expensive there it's just not something you have to do every day yeah i see that but just say it like if you check it off a bucket list right like i played pebble that, beach like, okay. like if we were doing bucket list like you're not even like a hardcore golfer like a hardcore golfer probably you could say most of these are bucket list but let's say you're just a normal golfer like not insane like me pebble beach is the first one on this list we've gone through where it's an actual bucket list like everybody that plays golf would call that a bucket list i think that's fair i think the rest could pass on whistling and pinehurst and harbor town but you're not going to pass on pebble beach like that's pretty much on everybody's bucket list that plays golf yeah just bring a lot of money <laughs> yeah um, the next one, which started a fight earlier in the office about how it's pronounced, which I think is funny. Um, it's the Kiowa versus Kiowa uh, argument. But anyway, Ocean Course in South. In, uh, it's Kiowa. It's Kiowa. Oh, that's what I said. <laughs> I was, was like, look at how it's, we, were, we were talking about it over here. Like, look at how it's spelled. It's literally spelled like the car. Kia. Wah. Kiwa. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, it's six hundred dollars. It's yeah, that, that uh, one's the most. That one's the most insane to me because I played it with a vendor, so I did not pay. So hand up, I did not pay for this one, and I've only played it once, and or have I played it twice? No, once. So six hundred dollars for Kiowa shocked me. I knew it was expensive. It must have gone up probably after what was there last, the PGA or whatever it was. The, the Ryder Cup uh, were on the shore. Ryder Cup, or, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because it's been some years since I've played it. Um, it's good. It's it's a good golf course. In fact, I got my beans or uh, my brains beat in by uh, Joe Lee there. Um, so he shot even par and absolutely took me to the cleaners. So I not only have a bad memory of that place, but uh, yeah, that's not one I, I think I would recommend a ton of people going to pay $600 for. That being said, maybe I'm going to, the weirdo i mean it, it does have beautiful views i'll give you that yeah so you're you're on an island overlooking you know it's low country and 
you know, every celebrity on the planet has houses next there and they're gigantic, whatever, if you're into that kind of thing. I mean, it's pretty, but I didn't really get it. It's, I will say, so if you stay on property, it's a little bit cheaper. So if you're actually staying um, there uh, officially, but it's also ranked number 32 out of 100. So it's like, people like it, obviously. So it's yeah, got something going for it. The name. We stayed at the hotel there and it was, I can't remember the name of the place. Awesome hang. I will say that. Really cool hang, like very southern, low country. Like, you know, the 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 hotel had like this great like porch kind of area. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, the next one hurts my feelings on a personal level. Um <laughs> it's uh eight hundred and forty dollars for the stadium course at TBC Sawgrass. That hurts my soul. Well, I'm gonna tell you something right now. And I think you know where I stand on this one. And I'm not going to make a lot of friends over at the TPC network. That is robbery. That is <sighs> straight robbery. I love that course, though. <laughs> I'm telling you, though, when like when 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 the stands and the fans aren't there, it's just a whole different vibe, in my opinion, playing it. I just don't get it. Like, it's never been for me. I don't think it'll ever be for me. Well, it's not going to be now. I mean, I had, I knew it was like five or five fifty, and they're saying, well, it's probably like I was probably looking at non-peak. Like I said, it probably fluctuates hugely, mm-hmm. but I do know it was like five fifty last time. Uh, I think I played it, which was ridiculous. Then eight forty. I mean, come on. It's yeah, that's a little pricey, and it it hurts my soul because TPC is one of my favorite. Specifically, Sawgrass is one of my favorite courses. So I don't think I'll be playing that anytime soon unless a vendor wants to be really, really nice. <laughs> My guess, my guess is it's Florida. You get a ton of international travelers. They all, I mean, you got the iconic hole with the the par three, you know, Island Green. I'm guessing they just get enough demand. I mean, listen, I'm all for a free market and demand. So if that's what they're getting for it, then more power to them. I'm just giving you my recommendation of you may be disappointed. Maybe you won't, but mm, we'll see. I mean, all I need to say is U.S. top 100 rank is 50. Okay. Yeah. But the demand must be there. Like, there just must be that many people golfing and wanting to play there. It's interesting. Last one um, and most expensive on this list um, is Shadow Creek, Las Vegas. So it is $1,000 a person. Yeah, but you know why that is, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not... You don't you don't really get to play there. Like it's it's a private golf course. Yes. It's like when is it when? I think it's when, yeah. I get them all mixed up sometimes. It's when it's owned by Win, and basically they just use it for their high rollers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what they use it for. I got to play it again. I didn't pay for this one. Um I was, uh, it was a rewards trip for something. Um, it was a great golf course. I actually had a lot of fun, thought it was great. Um, they, they try, it's typical Vegas, try to take care of you everywhere, you know, everything you do on the golf course, the whole nine yards, nothing's missed. Um, again, I just don't even know, like, I don't even think you can go pay just a thousand bucks at the pro shop. No, you can't. So you have to, first of all, you have to stay on property. So um, you have to be at an MGM property if you're going to book a tea time at all. And then there's like a massive waiting list and all that stuff too. And like you said, it's like the high roller situation. So you kind of have to know somebody who knows somebody, but it's, it's a whole racket. That's why it's a thousand dollars, but it's, I mean, the idea of like, I'm going to go to Vegas and I'm going to bring all this money. A thousand dollars is like, it's like two days worth of shit for me. I'm not going to blow it all at a tea time. Yeah, no, I mean, like, here's the thing. It was a fun golf course. It was a good golf course. Never paying $1,000 to play it. I mean, look, at the, here's the thing, though. I'm a, I'm a top 100 junkie. So for me, what's funny is, what's our lowest ranking on this list? Let's see. Kiwa's 32. Um, oh, 76. 11. 76 is Shadow Creek. Yeah. 
So you got Pinehurst at 12. You don't even have a top 10 in here, do you? Mm-mm. No, no, 12 and then 11. Are gets said, to the highest. Top, but if I look back at the top 10, I think the top 10 are all private golf courses anyway. Yeah. But anyway, so I just I wanted to go through those because I had a feeling you had played them. I'm shocked you've played all seven of them. You are the nerdiest nerd. Uh, <laughs> but having having like personal experience to be able to say, hey, man, play it once and don't go back is pretty nice. So that's cool. Uh, all right. Let's before we dive into our interview with Dave Neville from Callaway, let's talk a little bit about Black Friday and what Club Champion is doing. So we have. Our, we're calling it our Black Friday sale. Realistically, it started on Wednesday. So if you're listening to this on Friday um, or over the weekend, it's been going on for a couple of days. You've probably seen our emails and our social posts. But we are doing our best sale of the year, which is a $100 full bag fitting. You have to make a club purchase, just a single club, no dollar minimum. Um, or you can do $50 for any other fitting type. So if you just want a driver fitting, just want an iron fitting, whatever that case may be, just 50 bucks for any of those other fitting types. That is literally a 75% discount. I just I want to frame it like that because we didn't say it like that in any of our marketing materials, but a hundred dollar full bag. So let's say it again. Repeat it again. You want me to say it again? Okay. Yes. Hundred dollar full bag fitting with club purchase, which is a seventy five percent discount. Seventy five percent discount. Yes, that's insane. You heard it. Um, and honestly, now, it took. Do you have to spend anything to get that. Just you have to buy a club. That's it. So you that buy club, a club, any club, buy any club, and you get a hundred dollar fit, and then on a full bag, that's seventy five percent discount. Correct. You could literally buy a putter, and you get just that. making sure everybody heard it a couple times. <laughs> Um, yes, it is our best deal of the year. It's something that um, we we did for a couple of days in May when we opened our first um, or a hundred store rather. And it was something that people really liked. So we figured we'd bring it back for Black Friday, but it's a very, very limited offer. Um, this is going to go away basically on Cyber Monday, but yeah. it's you book it by Monday. It just has to be completed by the end of January. So for those of you guys who have been a club champion fan or have been around the block with us a few times, you know that we used to have something called winter promotion, which went through January 31st. Same same general time period, right? We do that because we want you to be able to get into basically the new year, get past the holidays. If you want to do something with some of the newer equipment that'll be in stores, which we're going to talk about here in a second, um, you can book a fitting all the way out through January. But basically you can have a hundred dollar full bag fitting on the books for January 20th and test all that new stuff, which is great. So really excited about that. Um, we do have gift cards available if people want to buy gifts for their loved ones. If you want to get ahead of your, um, you know, your holiday shopping as well. But right now we're really focused on that hundred dollar full bag. So this is great stuff. Make sure you get out there, you get it. Uh, Don't miss it. And they can find it right in store on the website. Everywhere. Yeah, there's no Club Champion Touchpoint that isn't talking about this right now. (laughs) So uh, what about demos? I know we have a a few fun things coming. Yeah, so I'm just going to let it out. Uh, TaylorMade P-Series. So that's the, uh, they're going to be their new P7MB, their new P7MC, their new uh, P770, and the 790s are staying the same. So you got three new P-Series irons that will all be in, they're starting to hit stores on Friday. By Monday or Tuesday of next week, almost every store should have them on their walls. So if you're a TaylorMade P-Series player, uh, everything's getting new except for the 790, which will stay the same. So, you know, go after there and get it. I said nothing. I would like it known that we're giving sneak peeks. We're not allowed to give. <laughs> but that's yeah, right. I mean, yeah. Any other demos Taylor besides that? Go slap me on the hand. It's fine. <laughs> Anything else besides that going on to stores? Uh, I mean, right now, let's. That's pretty much it. I mean, you know, we got the new Great Big Bertha product in there. If you, you know, you're going to learn about that a little bit with our guests here in a minute. 
Uh, but that stuff's been in the storage. For, if you're looking for kind of that more premium product, like super premium game improvement product, uh, Great Big Birth is right there. Two-piece titanium, kind of never been done before. Cool stuff. So other than that, not really. Um, I mean, we're going to be doing a lot of this talk in January, but until then, it'll be kind of slow. Cool. All right, let's transition into our interview for the day. We're going to be talking to Dave Neville, who's Callaway's Senior Director of Brand and Product Management. So we're here with a uh, longtime friend of mine, Dave Neville, who's the Senior Director of Brand and Product Management at uh, Callaway Golf. Dave, thanks for coming on and talking with me and Cassie. Great to be on with you guys, and uh, thanks very much. Good to see you, Nick. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a while since I've yeah. been able to get out to Carlsbad and uh, do a little golf or something, but uh, we'll do it through Zoom here, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Is it still just wonderful weather out there right now? We were having a great week. I hate to disappoint the folks in uh, Chicago and all that, but we were at 72 degrees and sunny <laughs> today, and then... For Thanksgiving, they're saying 76 and sunny on Thanksgiving for all your turkey trots. Oh, God, that sounds so it's good. Uh, <laughs> it's never shocking to me that the golf industry ended up in like the San Diego Carlsbad area where I think they get like six days of rain a year and it's always <laughs> just, like 65 to 80 and you could put it on a, like a, a permanent clock. It's pretty amazing. It's not a bad spot to have a golf company, no doubt. No. Come on, yeah. Nick. Why did you start a golf company in Chicago? What were you thinking? It's where I lived, but uh, <laughs> looking back at it now, it makes uh, not a lot of sense. Uh, so let's, let's get into knowing a little bit about Dave. You know, obviously we like to, the the scene behind the scenes. So, you know, we did a little, a little research on you and you served in the United States Air Force and uh which I think is interesting. And you kind of have a great, um, what do you call it? Educational path, Notre Dame, Northwestern. Tell us, how did that kind of all come about? And then how did ultimately you get into golf? Yeah, well, I grew up as a caddy, you know, so that was really my start in golf in, in Philadelphia and and uh, caddied at Radnor Valley Country Club, which longtime Callaway pro there, George Forster. So you know how uh, golf kind of gets in your in your blood. So I actually had a caddy scholarship through the Jay Wood Platt uh, program at Notre Dame, um, which is now merged with the Evans Scholars program, which obviously has been so successful coming out of the Midwest and the Western Open and the Western Golf Association. So um, I had that, but I also did RTC at Notre Dame. So I was uh, an Air Force cadet there. Then coming out of Notre Dame, I was uh, in the Air Force for six years and I loved it. You know, really uh, great, great experience. Um, but wanted to go back to business school. So I ended up in the Midwest again in Chicago. So I spent a number of years in Chicago, uh, six plus years there um, at, at Northwestern. And golf just kind of gets in your blood. You know, after business school, I was doing consulting around the world, working in the Middle East a lot. And I was like, I'm just not passionate about this. Um, and I remember you kind of telling your story to me, Nick, when we were having uh, dinner a couple years back and and how that kind of passion for clubs and, and club building and, and all that. And that just kind of got in my blood. So at the time, um, nobody was really hiring in the golf industry. It was the last big downturn, 2007, 2008. Um, but got an opportunity to to start with uh, with Titleist in in, in 2010. So um, that was awesome, and that's kind of what got me in. I left Chicago, you know, um, in the early spring, and and moved out to uh, San Diego, and been out here ever since. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, and I still say it today. It's great to have a job where you don't feel like you go to a job every day. 
um, you kind of just absolutely. do what you love. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was doing consulting and uh, I was learning a lot, but I just wasn't passionate about the industry and just wasn't passionate about what I was doing. And uh, I found myself and we were, we would present to like the board members and CEOs and stuff. And I would be like, doodling golf clubs and and golf courses during the meetings and i'm like i i gotta do something different i gotta i gotta get in the uh, in the golf industry so yeah i had an opportunity to work with uh with bob Vokey for four and a half years and and that was amazing um and now over at callaway across a bunch of different categories and uh, I, I think I'm the only one who's ever uh, had a chance to mentor under both bob Vokey and roger cleveland so it's been pretty cool That's that incredible. is pretty cool yeah. yeah. What's that like? So the transition from, I mean, these are massive brands. These aren't little yeah. like baby brands or niche brands or, you know, whatever you're going from big brand to big brand. What's that transition like? Um, especially now that you've landed at Callaway, what is it like to kind of go from one to the other? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was interesting, um, because Callaway, as you guys probably know, was struggling for, for a number of years. Um, and, um, they had just kind of started to turn things around, brought in a new CEO who's still our CEO, Chip Brewer and, and Harry Arnett, who was uh, running the marketing side. And Harry and I had gotten to know each other. And he's like, oh, you should come over to Callaway. I was like, wow, Callaway is in a world of hurt. I don't think that would be a, a, a good move. But then I had an opportunity to to meet with Chip and interview with him. And I knew he was going to get the thing turned around. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen with Top Golf and Travis Matthew and all the rest of the parts of the Top Golf Callaway brands now. But um, I knew Chip was passionate about it. You know, he's a hardcore golfer, a great businessman, and he was going to get the company uh, turned around. So I had an opportunity in 2014 to come over to, to Callaway, and um, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. That's awesome. And I, I've got some nerdy marketing questions for you, because I think <laughs> when you when you say, you know, a title like senior director of brand and product yeah. management, it's kind of like, what does that mean? Um, yeah. but I, I know you do a lot of the go-to-market strategy and, and things like that. And to a certain extent, it's not, it's not quite in line with something like a CMO would do, but you do handle a lot of kind of consumer messaging and B2C, which is, you know, something that we do here at Club Champion as well. And, and for our listeners who know I'm on the marketing team, so I love nerding out. <laughs> Um, about about marketing with people who are in that field. So, um, I mean, Callaway, we've talked about it. Huge, huge brand name. It's something that it's a household name, whether you're a golfer or not, you know, the Callaway brand. So what is it like to kind of handle that brand equity? Is it is it a little bit scary because it feels like a behemoth? Or is it really cool to be like, hey, man, I get to control, you know, or be part of the controlling team for this brand that has, um, you know, such a reputation? What's well, an interesting thing because if you're a golfer, you you know Callaway, right? I think we have something like 99% name recognition in the in the golf industry. So uh, I get these uh, people reach out from the marketing side. It's like we can help build your brand awareness from Callaway, and I'm like, oh, we're good there. But we do launch these different products and brands, and that's really what I'm a, a big part of. So obviously, we've had the the Epic brand and the Maverick brand, and now we have rogue and, and rogue uh st so it's almost every year that we have a, a new brand that we're we're having to uh build and kind of get that brand awareness coming from from scratch and that that's fun you know it, it's exciting um it's definitely challenging we're, we're we're always scared every year you know when we say uh, how do we beat in the last two years we've had record years and 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 how do we take that to the next level next year and it's just a it's a massive challenge and what i love about my job is i'm involved with everything from kind of the high High level strategy like what are the irons we're going to launch in the next couple of years what's the the naming and the positioning and all that to 
down in the weeds and uh, Nick knows this with the fitting and the, you know, what's the grip going to be? And, you know, what's the, the, the shaft diameter and, you know, what's the paint fill going to be? And really, you know, some, some really stuff in the weeds, but stuff high level as well. So that, that's what keeps me excited coming to work every day. That's awesome. That does sound fun, actually. Nick's going to like what jump paint, ship and go yeah, work with you. What paint fill should we use? <laughs> I mean, it's a big decision. You know, the laser call outs on the bottom of the of the soles, you know, where you're, you're putting the, the the tungsten, things like that to everything. Well, what's what's the, the name going to be? What's the positioning? How do we how do we bring this um, new product to life? My favorite part is like when we have a customer and like they, you know, it's your classic kind of know it, know it all guy or gal and, and they're like well why didn't they do it this way and i'm like oh i'm sure they didn't, just didn't think about it at all and that's just <laughs> together <laughs> yeah we like to make a joke you know coming from uh kevin kisner but this ain't no hobby you know th- yeah. this thing and we we do go to these either training events or consumer things and they're like oh we did you ever think about, you know, having adjustability in the nine wood or something like that? We're like, yeah, we thought about all of it. You know, that's that's what we're doing every day is we're thinking about every single one of those decisions. So um, we always joke internally, like, don't treat it like a hobby. You know, for some people, golf is a hobby. But for us, it's our profession. So, yeah, we're we're passionate about it every day. When you guys are um, doing kind of those, those strategies and you're coming up with names and you're coming up with where the paint fill goes and all that stuff. Um, not to put you on the spot, but has there ever been like a crazy idea that's been pitched that more than likely did not make it to market? Because <laughs> uh, I know with our, us, the creative process is very much like throw it on the wall, see what sticks. It's probably a bad idea, but it could spark a good idea. Um, how does that work on the Callaway side? Well, we've had that in the past with a lot of our content marketing, you know, and I go back to the time w- with Harry and giving him a lot of credit. We were really the first golf company to have the the podcasts and the videos and a lot of that content marketing. And his philosophy was just try it, you know, and we tried a, a, a lot of things. We had something called Chad's Tiny Studio, where we filmed something with uh, hashtag Chad, who was our head of social media, just from his cube. You know, we, we had recaps with uh Rihanna Sullivan, who was our, our ads marketing manager. And we tried all kinds of stuff. We had a Callaway live show that Harry hosted, and we had a ton of different celebrities and golfers um, come to that. And it was just kind of trying to be part of the conversation and and, and try different things. Um, I mean, one thing from a technical standpoint that was huge for us was, was jailbreak. And in uh, 2016, they were working really hard on that, and they were trying all different types of things to kind of stiffen the body of the driver. Um, and they had ones that had car, um, kind of carbon in terms of the posts in there. There was three different jailbreak bars. We had all different uh, types of ones. We're like, this is never going to work. But Chip was adamant that it's delivering more ball speed. We got to get it to work. And we ended up with the two titanium bars with jailbreak and then the first GBB Epic driver, which was, uh, as you know, a huge, huge success for us. Got us back to number one in drivers. That's awesome. I honestly, I never really thought about the iterations of jailbreak. It kind of, to me, it's just one of those things that showed up and it worked because <laughs> like you don't stop and think about the iterations that help you get there. So that's really cool. Um, we before had about we talk- 30 different iterations of jailbreak before Holy we got crap. the final one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and when you have AI that can kind of help you, um, you know, do the testing and whatnot, you guys are kind of an innovator in that way. So that's awesome. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. With with AI, um, at that time, we didn't really we weren't really using AI for the jailbreak, but for the face in 2019, uh, that was another thing that what if we design the face using artificial intelligence instead of just having engineers do it? Or typically you'd have maybe five or six different faces that you would try and then pick the one that was the best. Now we're able to do thousands of iterations of the face and the computer kind of saying, well, this area needs to be thick and this area needs to be thin and just designing a face in a way that a, really a human couldn't do. And so that was another thing that really pushed the envelope. We're like, we have no idea whether this thing is going to work. And uh, it did. And we've been committed think, to AI. I think I, remember, I think I remember like the stat was you guys told us once on a visit there, like how many years it would take a normal engineer to do what that AI could do. And I can't remember what it was. It's just because you can run so many more simulations faster. Yeah, right? it was it was about stat. 30 years if you had your regular laptop and, you know, just a regular engineer. It was it would take them 30 years to just come up with what we were able to do in six weeks uh, with the supercomputer and the AI. So it's just a huge, you know, leapfrog in what we've been able to do with the face technology. That's a crazy stat to me. Awesome stat. Crazy stat. <laughs> Just shows you what technology can do. Yeah. Um, before we dive into kind of like future things and whatnot, you did just mention designing and kind of what you keep in mind when you guys are designing. So um, obviously a club champion, we're club fitters. So just yeah. out of curiosity, um, when you guys are not only designing products, but also designing go-to-market strategy in terms of messaging and the points that the consumers are going to hear, how does club fitting play into that? It's top of mind always, you know, and you'll hear us say over and over and over, you've got to get fit, you know, and obviously Club Champion is is one of our best partners uh, out there. And we're continually recommending people to go and and have the kind of fitting that you can get um, at, at Club Champion. But we we look at it even with we're looking at Fairway Woods, you know, which ones should be adjustable, which ones are, are not and what are kind of some of those trade-offs and and how are the, the fitters going to approach it, but also our fitting methodology and pushing that out there. Even some people, not everybody's going to get fit and we'll have self-selection tools. So we have kind of different tiers of the of the fitting from sort of self-selection till I would put you guys in the, you know, the the very top tier of of a, a hardcore type of uh, intense fitting, but it's top of mind in, in everything we do, even the adjustable hosels, how do we make those lighter? Um, just a few years ago on the fairway woods, we changed our adjustable hosel to make it uh, lighter and more compact to really give us about five grams, just five grams of discretionary weight. But that is huge for our uh, designers to be able to put in other areas uh, of the fairway woods. Yeah, I would say Callaway's always been a great partner on the fitting side, you know, trying to do tools that work for us, whether it's giving all the fitters the different weights that can go into a head, making sure the the product's bendable where it needs to be bendable, things like that. Uh, even to like now with like the Odyssey side, you know, mm -hmm. the new putter fitting cart we have is unbelievable. Um, you know, you have all the different heads, different lengths, different um <laughs> The grips, weight kits, yeah. the weight kits. I mean, it's it's really taken us to be able to really take your product, showcase it in a fitting, and show what can be done. It's it's been a great partnership. Yeah, that's amazing. And I know even you guys have uh, some special stuff in the in the vault that, that we don't even sell on our our website. Some some cool stuff. So you got to got to go out to Club Champion to kind of check that out. But some tour tour models and other things that you, you can't get uh, elsewhere. And we didn't even tell him to say that. That was completely organic. <laughs> <laughs> that was completely organic placement. Um, so what, before we move on to like the, 
what's happening right now in 2023, I have one more question. So in the time that you've been with Callaway, is there a favorite launch um, or a specific product or campaign that you've been able to work on um, that you just really love and kind of go back to all the time? Well, we do talk a lot about the the Epic launch, you know, and this one, uh, the GBV Epic, which uh, we we basically went through the pre-launch season in 2016 and we launched it in, in 2017. And it was just one of those products where uh, you had a sense that that something was very, very special um, about it. Uh, we had some of our pre-lines to some of our top customers come came in and we had tested this product and we said this, and we were third place in, in drivers at the time. And we said, this is going to be the number one selling driver in 2017. And a lot of eye rolls and a lot of, hey, we heard this before and all that. And then they went out and tested it with the new jailbreak. And it was like, whoa. And we we had over 40% uh, market share at one point in, in Woods there. So that was a pretty exciting time, really just a, you know, a huge, huge change. Um, some of the launches of Apex have just been um, amazing as well. Really the first player's distance iron. And there's a lot of them out there now. But at the time, there really wasn't something that gave you that the power, but was still forged and had great feel to it. Great shaping. That was really what the kind of the original Apex was all about. So those are the two that really have uh, have stood out to me. Yeah, I actually remember both of those, believe it or not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, when we're talking about releases, like a lot of our listeners know, and they're very excited for what we just call the release cycle, right? So you get into January, February, um, even March, depending on the brand, and you get all the the new product drops. Some companies do it every year. Some companies do it every other year, whatever the case may be. So since we're coming up on that, I just wanted to get your opinion. Um, Is there anything that you would change about the current release cycle? Um, So right now, like I said, it's either annual or biannual. Um, How do you feel about it? Because I'm sure your team is like rushing and (laughs) trying to get everything ready and it feels like it ends and then it starts over again immediately. Yeah, it's kind of changed over the years to where you you still have the big kind of um, spring launches, we would call that, and they would be in January and February. But a lot of companies, including Callaway, are having big uh, summer launches or even fall launches. Like we just launched the uh, the Great Big Bertha, which is our ultra premium uh, high end uh, line. So back in the day, um, a lot of the launches were at the PGA show, and and that was kind of the first time anybody had ever seen things. But now the timing of it is is different. So uh, I kind of missed that a little bit on these these big launches and and having the PGA show, having everybody in the media there and all the club pros and, and all that. Um, but it, a different reality now is that, the, um, as you guys know, as fitters, there's so many different parts of the market. So you need to have products for all different types. You can't just have a tour product and a game improvement and that's it. You know, we have obviously we have players distance, we have players performance irons, we have tour irons, we have game improvement, super game improvement. Um, so there's a, a lot of different categories to fill and that basically keeps us busy all year long. Well, and I think people are starting to finally get it. It was like when everybody started breaking up and doing the different like launches, they'd be like, well, I thought they just launched this or I thought they just yeah. launched that. And I and I think it helped even us as a club fitter, because for years, people wouldn't understand that we could segregate golf clubs into certain style of golfers, right? Where now you guys are kind of doing that. And it took mm-hmm. them a minute to understand, oh, this launch is for this golfer or what they deem might be for this golfer. Mm-hmm. You know, this launch is for what they deem for this golfer and all this different stuff. And I think people are finding finally starting to see that, that not all launches are the same. Some are, like you said, the the Great Big Bertha launch that's literally happening right now, 
Um, you know, that's one of their premium game improvement product, right? Did I say it right? Is that how yeah, I Yeah, I mean, we this would be kind of on the ultra premium side. So you've got this two-piece titanium uh, iron, which is absolutely amazing, but it's an expensive iron. You know, it, it's not for everybody. And when we we launched this just in the last few weeks, people say, oh, is this replacing Rogue? <laughs> like, no, this in no way replaces uh, Rogue. This is for a whole different category. Somebody, it's like a concept car. It's like Mercedes with AMG or BMW with, the the m series somebody who wants a titanium fairway wood titanium hybrid two-piece titanium iron that we've never done before but totally different price point totally different type of golfer than than say the rogue max um and it it is a lot of people get really really bent out of shape on the (laughs) the release uh cycles but um it goes back to mr callaway he wanted to provide uh clubs for all golfers it wasn't just for tour pros it wasn't just for serious golfers it was for people getting getting into the game for people who wanted to have game enjoyment and we're going to have clubs for the best players in the world as well and and that's what we have at callaway I actually, um, the first, my first week of working at club champion, uh, four or five years ago, whenever it was my first week, I had to go to the PGA show. (laughs) So it was like, I showed up on Monday and it was like, do all of your HR stuff. And then Tuesday I was flying to Florida. And what I remember distinctly, and I was already a golfer at this time. I wasn't obviously as, as well versed in, in the sport and in the club fitting industry as I am now, but, um, I was aware of golf brands, but the first thing I remember when I walked into the PGA show, whatever that year was, was that you guys had the not only the biggest and most robust display, but it was the first thing you saw when you walked onto the PGA uh, show merchandise floor because um, like Titleist was like off to the side and they had some cool stuff or whatever. But when you walked through the floor, it was from the, the back to the front was all Callaway <laughs> and you could walk That's through and there was like whatever the, I don't even remember what models were out that year, but there was like six or seven different models. You could pick them up, you could swing them. You guys had personalities and tour players walking around. Um, you guys had doing like a uh, Serious radio was doing like radio interviews from the Callaway booth. Basically, it's just it's what I was talking about before, where it's like it's such a recognizable brand that when you walk in, it's like there there's a mile worth of PGA show here, and the only thing I can see is Callaway. Like that's how big of a deal it is. So I yeah, said something was, about the PGA show, and it unlocked that memory. <laughs> yeah, that was the goal because um, we we always had the one booth, and then we had it kind of across the aisle on the other side. And then I think it was around 2017 is when you're talking about we're like, what if we went from end to end? What if we went and we had Callaway apparel in there, and we had Travis Matthew right after we had bought them. And you literally could could look from one side of the, the show to the other, and it was going to be Callaway. It was going to be Odyssey. It was going to be Callaway Apparel. Travis Matthew Ogio had their booth. We moved that over there, and it was just a kind of complete takeover. And had a lot of had a lot of fun with that. Um, obviously, with pandemic, the show is uh, is different. But it used to be a massive spectacle. We had a tank in there one time. Uh, which I was, was going to say, I, was, I remember the tank. Yeah, the Odyssey tank. The Odyssey tank. We had. For, for Epic, we had a giant driver with the jailbreak bars uh, lit up. The thing was absolutely massive. People had a lot of fun with that. We had Chrome Soft. We had the Chrome Dome where people could like jump into these foam golf balls. Um, so it was uh, it was crazy, but it was all about trying to, to create some uh, excitement and buzz. That's I'm I'm so jealous. Club Champion doesn't do anything like that for the PGA show. <laughs> well, it doesn't make sense. Remember- 
if Club Champion was a little late to the game, like if you would have been, if Club Champion would have had the opportunity, let's say before 2015, maybe even earlier than that, early 2000, 2010, that was when the PGA show was in all its glory, mm-hmm. like huge booths. I mean, almost mass. I mean, what Callaway kept it going the longest, probably more than anybody. But I mean, they all had those Cassie. I mean, it was like a show and the <laughs> models walking around. I mean, it was just an, it was crazy. I mean, it was a wild time back then. Now that was when EJL was tiny or a club champion was tiny. We couldn't do it, but that would be bringing back some relics if we spent that money. <laughs> I, I'm not suggesting it because I, I have to be responsible for the marketing budget. However, <laughs> it would be super, super fun to plan something like that. Whoa. Like we're talking about like jumping into ball pits and shit. Like, come on. I don't disagree. We could put on a huge party. It would be awesome. Oh, so dope. It wouldn't have much of an ROI, but it would be awesome. <laughs> but we'd have a really good time. <laughs> yes, that would be um, the ROI. Nick and Cassie had a good time. Done. So for me, that works. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Speaking of um, just fun experiences that are afforded to us as uh, members of the golf industry, I'm just curious, Dave, for you specifically, um, has there been any experience that comes top of mind that's been afforded to you just by working with Callaway, whether it's working with a celebrity or getting to do something that, you know, normal people, quote unquote, wouldn't get to do, like playing Augusta, things like that. Have you had any of those opportunities? Well, I haven't gotten the chance to play Augusta, but I do hope that my my bosses and the executives of Callaway are listening to this podcast so that they can take me to play Augusta. But no, I mean, there's so many great experiences that I've had with Callaway and, and really, really thankful. I think a couple of things stand out, but being able to to walk with some of the tour players and, and watch them up front, you know, I had a chance to uh, spend some time watching Phil Mickelson and Xander Shoffley and walk a few holes with these guys and just kind of see how they go about their business, but also the type of shots that they that they can hit from up close it's just absolutely amazing and i think um you know golf is such a great sport because you can hit shots every once in a while that are like tour pro shots but but these guys are doing it in tournament conditions on every hole and it's just that's truly amazing to watch and then i've had a chance to to travel around and present to some of our 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 reps and sales folks from around the world so i've been to the belfry um in england which was awesome been down to australia to royal melbourne to see that i was in new zealand this year to present um to our uh, South Pacific sales team been to Japan. So that that part has been uh, amazing just to see kind of golf around the world. Again, super jealous. Nick, (laughs) we have to go to New Zealand. I don't know why. But we have to find a reason. <laughs> well, I mean, well, pretty soon. I mean, we'll have a club. We'll probably have a club. Chain. I think they're in the plans eventually down the road. There is a location that branches from Australia to New Zealand. See, I'm sold. I'm in. Let's go. It could be a couple <laughs> of years from now, but I think it is in there eventually. Uh, got to so do some dope. site visits down there you yeah. Know, yeah. to find the right location. <laughs> For a while, that was the joke when we were talking about opening a store in Hawaii. And I was like, well, I obviously I have to be there to make sure the marketing's right. Like that's I got to make sure the signage is spelled correctly. I got to go. I got to be there for a week. Uh, but yes, <laughs> international is a whole other game. So let's talk 2023. Um, Dave, I know you can't tell us anything, <laughs> um, but what can you tell us about what's coming, what people should be excited about? It's just super exciting, you know, and in the eight and a half years I've been at at Callaway, I think it's the most exciting lineup that I've seen. And, you know, you you hear that um, sometimes, but 
just what we're doing with the the design and the technology and the performance and the testing that we've seen uh we are super super uh, excited about it so uh we can't say much but um most people know in 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 january there'll be there'll be some um announcements and and all of that but we're working extremely hard on it and testing a lot of things testing with our tour pros and that's been really successful so uh i cannot wait to um to introduce some some new stuff in the next spring I've actually been lucky enough to see it, uh, and I am a fan. So there you go. I'm, in fact, I've got. I already got my new irons and wedges already done for the next year, but I'm holding off on the wood specifically to test these further. Let's just say that. That that's a good sign from you. I know it's not easy to get into your bag. I know we've I've listened to some of the what's in the bag uh, episodes, but um, yeah, I know we had uh, in the past. I've been come out to Chicago this time. I think we had uh, Greg Brown come in and see you guys to give you a little early uh, sneak peek. But yeah, we're excited what we can do, uh, and from a fitting standpoint, it's going to be amazing as well. So I, I'll always catch flack from Greg Brown because uh, he invite they him and Chip invited me to a Pebble Beach event. Well, I guess I should know how many years ago it was because it was I asked my wife to marry me on the 18th green of that event, uh, 18th green of Pebble Beach at that event. So I, I should know this. So whatever that's like seven or eight years ago. But long story short is, is I show up to the event, you know, all Callaway and <laughs> Callaway event, and I have no Callaway golf clubs in my bag. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? And I'm like, well. I told you I'm a club fitter. I play what I think is going to be the best for me. And unfortunately, this is how the chips landed this year. He's like, hey. and, you know, at least he respected my honesty on it. But oh, wow, that's those classic. days I had the Rogue ST last year, and it was the best driver I've had in a long time. Smoked it, hit it straight, and uh, I was really happy. So uh, after seeing this new one, I can't wait to do some, you know, more testing on it because I think it's just going to be a really good improvement over the uh, the, the last generation, and, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, we had a great year with with Rogue um, this year. I mean, it continued to gain market share. It continued to gain momentum throughout the year, and I, I think that came from a very fast driver, but also a very stable driver and one of the most stable drivers we've had in a, in a number um, of years. And then the Fairway Wood has been basically the best-selling Fairway Wood the, in the entire year, and that, that one's done great for us um, as well. So that's the part that's always challenging is how do you try to improve on that and top that in the, in the following year. Good news is we have the largest R&D team in golf. we got 120 people working on it, um, and we've been working on this for a long time. All right, Nick, are you ready? You ready to do some yays and nays? Sure, let's do it. Okay, so we'll we'll start with you, Dave, and then we'll go around and give our answers. But the first um, yay or nay topic today is yay or nay corporate golf outings. Oh, yay. Yay. Go for it. Go for it. Have fun. <laughs> Hit and giggle. Love it. Um, Doing a top golf, by the way. Doing a top golf. Yes. <laughs> see, that that might change my answer, but that, you know, maybe we'll see. Nick, what about you? Yeah, I'm a yay. I mean, there's some that are more fun than others, but uh, you know, it depends. Are you there to entertain people, or are people there to entertain you? Sometimes that makes a difference. <laughs> I mean, I You're prefer right. to go to a Callaway golf outing where they're helping entertain me than me taking it. But <laughs> anyway, that, it, that all changed. But I'm a huge fun. Like he said hit and giggle a little bit have fun and uh yeah i'm a fan uh i'm a nay <laughs> now if we're, if we're going to top golf that's different I, that's not quite what i mean like i'm talking like a full 18 with a group of people from work um if we're doing top golf i'm all in but if we're doing a full 18 i just get 
so uh, we've talked about this in like a competition setting, which obviously, you know, corporate golf outings don't have to be competitions. It's just, you know, fun and you're out there, you're enjoying yourselves. I still get so nervous in front of people. Um, even playing like golf with my husband, sometimes I get a little bit frustrated because it's like, if I'm having a, a like a bad day, it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> like on the sixth hole. Um, I, I love playing solo rounds. So being in a foursome is like, it's, I don't enjoy it as much. Um, and especially with people that I'm already seeing Monday through Friday, it's like, I don't want you guys to make fun of me all of next week. So I don't want to give you ammo. <laughs> Uh, I would have thought the opposite, but that's how my brain works. Like I, if I would feel safe with those people, uh, I wouldn't feel as, but whatever. I mean, mean, you don't work as closely with Pat Duncan. If I duffed a shot, dude would not let it go. Our VP of marketing would not let me live it down. So (laughs) there's that. Um, I'm I'm a nay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yay or nay trick shot artists. So like dude, perfect. And those guys out there. I'm a I'm a big uh, yay on this and shout out to my man, Josh Kelly, hole in one trick shots. We do a lot of stuff with him. But I mean, if you want to have some fun, go out and look at his Instagram channel. The kind of stuff that he can do is amazing. And the guy's a plus two handicap, too. He's a legit golfer, but he's just so much fun and gets people into the game. He did a thing with the Super Bowl uh, last year where he did a chip, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl. I think we got something like two and a half million views on it, something like that. So, yeah, I'm all in on the uh, the trick shot uh, artist, um, Josh Kelly. Give him a shout out there. Nick? Okay, I'm a yay, but with a caveat. I like when they tell me how many turns it took them. so that's what i'm most interested in like i think they're all cool but i sit there and go this is maybe why i do like them to an extent is i go i wonder how many takes it would you know how many shots it would take me to do that probably a quadrillion whatever there's probably not even be a number but um i sit there it's like i watch some of these and they'll tell you oh it was on the 10th shot or it was on the 30th shot that's when i like it because then i can start gauging okay how how realistic was that and how unrealistic was it it just tells me but yeah i'm a fan I'm a big yay. I love trick shot artists. I'm not as hard on, like, I don't necessarily need to know how many shots it took because I think we know, like, there's no way they did it on the first shot. Like, it, they would just retire and walk away if they did some I of those shots. I bet you some of them they do. I bet you some of them they do do on the first shot, which is you why think? I think it would be. Well, that's why, and there's so many of them now. I think having like a counter or a competition, actually, there you go. Callaway should have a trick shot competition. Or maybe maybe we'll partner with Callaway, get all the trick shot artists in, and we'll have a competition to see how fast they can do these tricks. Yeah, like who's legit? Who's like a legit trick shot artist? Yeah. You know, and who's got to just set everything up with editing? Speaking yeah. of dude, perfect. And this is total side tangent. Did you guys see? I think it's down in L. LA, the the headquarters they're building for dude perfect mm-hmm. i wild. heard something about it but i you know uh our man hashtag chad who worked for callaway from for many years and is their brand director over there so um i think he's cooking up something special so i gotta reach wow. out to it, find out more about this thing yeah there's some concept drawings online and you know people talking about it now whether it's real or not real you know i don't know but uh if it's real it's pretty wild it looks like a pretty cool place basically fantasy factory on steroids <laughs> because <laughs> their their headquarters that they have in Dallas area is already amazing um you know about the coolest place you'd ever want to go to work with basketball courts and foosball they got simulator in there they got they got everything um and they're big they're big Texas guys so um maybe this is something more for kind of their production and, and studios yeah. but 
That's I'd be surprised awesome. if they moved their HQ out there. I don't remember if it was LA or Dallas. I don't remember the place. I maybe I assumed it was LA. Uh, but it's pretty ridiculous the the renderings of the drawings. You saw it, right, Cassie? Yeah, and I yeah, I did. And I would never get anything done. If I had like a foosball table <laughs> at my leisurely <laughs> access, I would not ne- I would never. <laughs> oh, it'd be great. All right. Um switching a little bit out of golf. So yay or nay, Petco Park. Petco Park, absolutely huge, huge yay. I love Petco Park. Obviously, we're a big um, partner with the Padres, and we have our Truvis golf ball there at Petco Park, the Callaway long ball um, after every home run. And we do the links at Petco Park. We can play golf at Petco Park. So mm-hmm. it is uh, the number one stadium in the major leagues. Padres had a great year. So I'm a massive fan of uh, of the Padres. And okay, Petco but Park. that can't be your like team for life. My my team for life is Phillies, Phillies yeah, and Eagles, say. you know, um, but we 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 started the links at Petco uh, with the folks from the Padres in 2015 um, and something I've been involved with a number for a number of years. So they're my adopted hometown hometown team. So I uh, love the yeah. Padres. Big yay on, on Petco Park if you get a chance to visit it or come out for the links, which is coming up in January, which we're really excited about. Um, come play golf at Petco Park, which is really cool. Nick, what about, have you ever been to Petco Park? You know, I haven't, which I was thinking about why I haven't done that. Of all the times I've been out to San Diego and all the ballparks I've been to, uh, I've never done, I guess I go out there a lot during the winter, so that probably makes the most sense. I don't go out a bunch during baseball season to California, but um yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm a yay because I'm a baseball fan for one. I can tell it's a cool stadium from just watching games. Uh, I'm a fan of the Padres uniforms in general because I'm a uniform person. So, yeah, I guess I'm a yay. Uh, by default, I think I'm a yay. So, uh, massive Cubs fan. I, to, to say that any any stadium is superior to Wrigley is just false. Patently false, just false. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, anything that has to do with pets, obviously, obviously, it's just a sponsorship, but I know that they do some stuff with pets and Petco, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, and I love any park that does, like, uh, in, in your case, it's Lynx, but like Soldier Field out by us, they do kind of like a Top Golf esque sort of thing where they mm-hmm. take the top decks and you can basically hit into the stadium. Um, anytime that we can take baseball and turn it into something golf related, I think that's super fun. Like that's just a, a fun crossover. And I feel like, um, it's like a creative way to merge the two sports. So by default, I guess I mean, yay. we should try to get that at Wrigley. Uh, yeah, I just, it might be too small to be able to do it, but oh, we, I hit, would... from the, we hit from the rooftops. Oh, I across, guess across the street. You, yeah. yeah. You gotta be a little worried about, you know, dribblers onto the road. But... <laughs> I mean, we're not worried about that when Kyle Schwarber is hitting over the, <laughs> like, True. onto the street. So it's fine. Um, God, that's a throwback. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so next question is, since we are recording basically Thanksgiving week, we have a couple Thanksgiving and Black Friday questions for you. So um, yay or nay, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Sure. Love watching it on TV. Uh, never been to it, even though I grew up in in, in Philly. But uh, love the, uh, the, the, the floats or the inflatable balloons and stuff and people seem to be having a great time so yeah i'm I'm all in on the thanksgiving parade thank you. yeah i mean i can't say no i that's like being a <laughs> you can uh, <laughs> it'd be like being a scrooge like i don't sit down and watch a parade like i'm just not gonna do that i have memories my grandmother would and be sitting there she's sitting there watching it and she'd be like why don't you sit down and watch this i'd watch you know as a kid like three minutes of it and then my attention span was gone um but yeah, I mean, maybe now that my kids are getting older, maybe that'll return. But no, I mean, it's not really my thing. 
Fair I enough. would be I would be like the crotchety old man that would be like, what is that thing? And they'd be like, oh, that's a TV show now. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your kids know more more of them than than. You yeah, do. they would yeah. know. I'd have to ask my six year old. What character is that? They, they would know. Oh, that's fair. I'm a yay. I also have memories of so like my my family always hosted Thanksgiving. So we'd get up pretty early in the morning and like my parents would be the one that would be like prepping the turkey and doing all that. So I remember kind of having we had a TV in the kitchen, like a little tiny box TV. So we would have it on in the background. So I have good memories of that. But now as an adult, I'm kind of like Nick where it's like I don't want to necessarily sit down and watch it. But the one thing that I do love um, is I'm a big Broadway person. Um, So for everybody that's on the video right now, they can see that I playbills behind me, but they will do um, basically numbers from Broadway shows during the parade. So for me, it's always really exciting to get to see that either because it's a show that I already love or it's a show that I want to see. So I'll basically tune in intermittently just to see that um, because I, I love like that parade setting where they get to kind of go out and they have a live audience. I, I think it's super fun. So I'll give it a yay. Um, yay or nay, green bean casserole. <laughs> I'm nay on the green bean uh- casserole. Give me Give me the stuffing, you know, give me all the other uh, mashed potatoes, gravy, all that, green bean casserole. Mm. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm a nay on that. Nick. Okay, so do do does it have the crispy onion things at the top? Yes. Okay, lots of them, good layer of crispy onion things? Yes. Okay, yes. then I'm a yay. Now, I'm kind that of with here. It's not it, – it's not it's not what I'm running to first. I'm going after the core groups. So I'm going after, you know, the what he was stuffing, mashed potatoes, turkey. But if there's a green bean salad or whatever, casserole, and it's got plenty of that onion stuff, I'll try that. So I've never been so disappointed in a question on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um I so uh, I'm a massive green bean casserole fan. I, I only make it once a year, so I guess I'm not that big of a fan of it, but it's the thing that I wait for. Like that's unequivocally the thing that when I talk about Thanksgiving dinner, it's like, well, obviously we have to have green bean casserole. And to Nick's point, it has to have like the the crispy onion straws and it can't just be like a thin little BS layer. layer. Like you got to double down on that. It's got to be half the pan. It's so I good. I feel like everybody has their own like traditions, right? And like, that's one of the things that like, you know, like us, we don't ha- always have green bean casserole. We have thing, uh, something called broccoli rice casserole. Ooh. And it's like broccoli rice. It's got some bacon in, I think, and cheese. Like, I feel like every family kind of has this little like outside of the core and i feel like uh the green bean casserole falls in that maybe you know, i've never been to any thanksgiving dinner that doesn't have it and even when you get the little crispy like onion straw string things yeah. when you flip over the back of it green bean casserole recipe is literally on the back of that container so like it's definitely <laughs> an american staple if they like put it on their container but we do to your point we do like sweet potato casserole which is it really just tastes more like candy because you end up like putting cinnamon and brown sugar and melting marshmallows on it so it's kind of like dessert but not um we do deviled eggs we do all that stuff so we we definitely have other traditions but green bean casserole is like it's it's the main feature. Here's a hot take. I don't do I don't do sweet potatoes. <gasps> oh, ooh, that is yeah. a hot take. See, yeah. Dave's got my back. <laughs> we already we already did one side of the Thanksgiving this past Saturday. And there was like they did like three different types of sweet potatoes. And my wife's like they were all like, hey, Nick, did you try mine? Hey, Nick, did you try mine? And my wife just turns around and goes, he ain't trying any of those. <laughs> and, uh, he's, out. he's out on the sweet yeah. potatoes. You know what? It's a texture thing for me. The only time I've ever liked it is like when they do like fries or uh, but they have to even cook those like super thin and super crispy. Otherwise, it's just I don't like the mushiness of it. 
Sweet potato yeah. fries are amazing. That's the way so up there. Yeah, because they get they can at least get crispy. I like crispy. I, so, I get oh, that. We make when we do sweet potato casserole, we actually take like act like regular sweet potatoes, not the ones that you get in a can. So we'll make them from scratch and we'll boil them and then we'll mash them like mashed potatoes. So it's, it ends up being the same consistency as a mashed potato. Um, the one thing I will say though is uh, sweet potato sushi. If you've never had sweet potato sushi, what? It, I don't even know what that is. Oh my god, what? It's well, what? okay, yeah. It's I obviously do vegetable sushi because I don't eat meat, so the varieties are usually kind of limited. So you get like avocado or cucumber or whatever. But one of the staples when you're eating vegetarian sushi is a sweet potato roll, and it's like battered and fried, kind of like you would fry a like a sweet potato fry, right? Um, but it's battered and it's rolled up into sushi. It's so huh. good. <laughs> Oh, I God. think you need to bring those into the office. Uh, I, yeah, for, yes. For some testing. <laughs> I'm in. All right. Last question. Yay or nay? Black Friday shopping. Oh, my gosh. This is a massive nay. This is a massive nay. I actually tried it. I think it was like 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. And I was like, never again. No <laughs> chance. Black Friday shopping. Black Friday golf is a big yay, though. Either going to the range, work on the game. It does get very crowded, I think, on the golf courses out here um, on, on Black Friday. But uh, Black Friday shopping, no no chance. Mm. Yeah, we, we really don't have Black Golf Friday uh, or Black Friday, whatever it is. <laughs> You just called it. It's a little too cold for that. That sounds amazing, though, because uh, I'm with you. I'm a huge name. Well, first of all, I'm not a shopper to begin with. So then the idea of going somewhere where there's going to be a ton of people trying to go for the same thing, I think I'd rather put a pencil in my eye. But um, like, here's the thing. My wife and her family, literally, we're going to have dinner on Thanksgiving and they are going to leave right after dinner and start shopping Thursday night into Friday. And I just don't understand it. I'm like, it's not for me. Well, they've moved everything up now, right? It used to be yeah. like in the morning. Now it's it's Thursday night. It's absolutely insane. Some of them, some of them are start going at like five or six at night. Yeah. Wild. COVID has changed some of that. So like a lot of uh, like the, the queuing up outside of stores and all that stuff, like COVID has changed that a little bit. And a lot of it's kind of shifted online, even for Black Friday. Um, the intent was always for that to be Cyber Monday, but they've moved it. I will say, though. Um, there was a time <laughs> like two or three years ago, like pre COVID basically where I was doing the same thing Nick's wife does, where it was like, we would eat Thanksgiving dinner. We would have dessert. We'd sit around for a couple minutes. And then I, my family and I would dip, we would go to target. We'd go to Best Buy. We'd do the whole thing. And it's not, we've never been like, oh, we got to get the TV or, oh, we got to get the PlayStation five. It was never like a specific item. It was more about the experience of like sort of people watching and seeing if we could snag like a, a Blu-ray or something that we wanted. It was never like. We were never the crazy people that were like punching other people in line <laughs> to get to a TV. Um, but we definitely that was like a core experience for my family. Thanksgiving was let's go Black Friday shopping this year. Probably not. We just we just moved into a house. So there's probably some Black Friday things I'll buy online just because of necessities. But I, I don't anticipate standing in line with the crazies this year. So I'm just, I'm too old for it. Now. I mean, I always ask my wife, I go, what, what do you need? Like I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty tight with our finances. I'll be honest. Uh, so I'm always <laughs> like, what? I just grew up in a small town. So money or no money. I just always act like I got no money. It's just how I operate. So I'm always like, what do you, what do you really need? Okay, Cause we'll go buy it. And she's like, well, I don't really need anything. I just want to go look people yes. watch. And if I, and if I find a good deal, then I'm going to buy it. I'm like, okay, I guess. No, That's she's what, right. I'll be here watching uh, football and eating some leftovers. <laughs> He's totally right. It's you don't need any of it. And the one thing I'll say about it, and this is probably true for you guys too, because you both were big nays, but 
no one's ever buy like the intent of it was to buy gifts because it's like this is the pre-Christmas, yeah. you know, whatever. I always bought for myself. I don't buy gifts on Black Friday. I'm buying for me. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm bad at it. But anyway, we'll see what happens this year. On the next podcast, I'll let you know if I spent an inordinate amount of money on Black Friday. Or you saw someone get in a fight or or, or get punched getting in the, the door. I mean, yeah. who wants that on Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving's supposed to be fun and peaceful with your family. I mean, you don't have my family, so there's that. But <laughs> we'll point. see how it goes. All right, Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Um, obviously, we, we love talking to you. I know you and Nick are good friends. And then obviously, we love Callaway as well. And we're very excited for what you guys have on the docket for 2023. Um, hopefully, once we get further into the year, we'll be able to bring someone from the crew back so we can talk in depth about what's coming. Um, and I know our listeners are going to be really excited to see it all. So thank you so much. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you, Nick. And happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Thanks, Dave. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Fits with the Founder. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to support the show. And if you want more equipment content, follow Club Champion on Instagram. 